Hey guys, I don't know if you're like me, but I love Count the Dings and everything it has to offer. I just can't find everything I need. You know, I know about Cinephobe and I know about the mailbag. And I know about Bomb, but that's all we do, right? I mean, no, we do so much more. What? Yeah, absolutely. If you sign up, patreon.com slash count the dings, you'll find a plethora of other content, fresh content, extended content, the OG pod overflow, the Cinephobe cold opens that we've taken and made their own thing to live only there the re-watchingtons bomb and it's full Ooh. and unadulterated cut early drops of cinephobe episodes and so much more said the og pod now is it new or is it old mace i'm glad you asked that it is a new incarnation mm-hmm. of the old og pod oh. so it's me zach trey Waz, tom i love those guys just like we always were going back to the true hoop days mm-hmm. we're recreating that magic recapturing it and putting it back out we're talking hoops we're talking pop culture and most importantly we're talking for 40 minutes for free mm-hmm. but then another specific patreon exclusive segment for every one of those episodes funny enough about that og pod you're getting tom and trey on mondays you're getting me and waz aka zosny on wednesdays a means floating in between i'm a floater you never know when you're gonna get a mean in those so you gotta listen to them all and what if i'm not sure what maze looks like because i've always thought he's a fat man with a fedora he's got a weird voice how can i see for myself what this maze character actually looks like it's crazy you don't know the answer to this mm. because it's the cinephobe pod youtube page what the ct5s on the cinephobe pod youtube page you can look at all of us you can get all the og pods on youtube too at count the dings one on youtube at cinephobe pod on youtube patreon.com slash count the dings gets you everything all in one feed you can link it to your spotify and now enjoy the show another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app find a location near you at bank of talk to us what would you like the power to do Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet... You can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Tom, are you ready to go global? Kevin, I was born ready. As someone who used to live in Brazil, as someone who, uh, you know, lives in the, the international culinary capital of the world, Charlotte, North Carolina, I can't wait for season 20, Top Chef. Global all-stars. Let's go, Kevin.
Pack your knives. I'm Kevin Arnovitz. And I'm Tom Haberstroh. Tom, it is March. That means Top Chef Season 20 is upon us, and the show has blown up. We are not going to provincial capitals. We are not even going to American megapolises. They are going to London, England. Um, and more than that, I think, more interestingly, they have attracted a cast of Top Chef chef testants that range from the Middle East and North Africa to Poland um, to Thailand. Uh, they have decided that they are going to leverage the great Top Chef empire. If, if you do not know, Top Chef is a show that has been replicated in dozens of other countries and regions. Um, it is not merely an American phenomenon, at least not anymore. And what the show has decided to do and what Pack Your Knives is going to chronicle is a whole menagerie of chefs who come from all kinds of culinary, linguistic, and um, global traditions. And Tom, it's kind of a really, it's a, it's a, it's a new thing for the show. It is. It is. And uh, they're going to start out in London. And then for the grand finale, they're going to go to Paris, um, which, which I've never been. Which is an upgrade. Yeah, it is. And, and I want to get your thoughts here because I've studied in London. You've you've been to London a whole bunch of times. You have family there. So like you probably have more of an experience in London, a better, a richer experience of, of culinary exploits than I have, which I was there for a couple months as a student. And so you can imagine me in 2006 uh, with a couple uh, pounds in my pocket trying to trying to afford the British lifestyle. And it, I didn't get very far beyond like, I'm going to buy a salad from Sainsbury's and a three liter cider bottle that was going to sustain us for the entire semester. Um, it w- I didn't get to go eat the, the various cuisine as much as I, I would hope. Um, well, well, true story. London only discovered food about 15 to 20 years ago, like sometime <laughs> during the Blair um, reign. Uh, it, it is it is it is it is not a great culinary tradition as much as the show might uh, li- like us to believe that. In fact, um, the quality of this cuisine has only been bolstered by the innovation of its colonial subjects. If it were not for sort of the great South Asian culinary traditions, West Indian culinary traditions uh, as part of the British Commonwealth. Um, London would be every bit the wasteland in in terms of culinary tradition that it was when I first went in the late 90s. Um, It was a moral emergency. It is one of the worst. In fact, Tom, I was in London last week because my niece Maya was getting bat mitzvahed. And I had, I think, one of the only first great London meals I've ever had in, in the last 25 years in in, uh, in a lovely part of town called Islington in North London um, at an Italian joint called Trullo. But uh, this is not a great food city. Um, and, and in fact, it's always interesting. You, if you go to Omakase, you get a lesser version of what you would find in Tokyo, Los Angeles, or San Francisco, or New York, right? Like, you go and eat French food, well, you might as well just go across the channel. Like, their Italian food is not what... Um, by and large, you can find in Italy. Like it is just so. Um, it is it, a mosaic, but it's not the best. Yeah, it's a mosaic. Um, but again, it, it, one of the great things. But if you want to go find great uh, Pakistani food, boy, you're in you're in you're in for a treat. If you want to go find j- great Jamaican food, you're in for a treat. Um, and and so there there is great food there. But but England as a like the the Anglo Saxons are, are not uh, the, the, nor the Norman conquestors. Nobody really produced great culinary uh, tradition here. 
Um, this is a recent development, and, and and truthfully, I mean, Tom bagging on London food is sort of a tradition of, of food people for for for, for generations. So uh, <laughs> we will occasionally bag on London food or, or the idea that they're any good at food. Um, by the way, you will never see a piece of meat that isn't completely overcooked. You will never see uh, if you want your fish not hammered, you have to specifically oh, no. beg the the server um, for for that sort of um, for that kind of preparation. Well, it um, they it, overcook it is- everything. It is, it is a place that um, they've decided to do their first foray, probably because it is just like a, a great, um, I don't know, a great hub. Uh, it's got a bunch of airports and it's great, you know, uh, a, a lot of different ways to get to London. So it's a good place to have Top Chef Global Olympics, the, the host city of that. But what's interesting about this, Kevin, is that they're they're pulling the pool of contestants are from past seasons. It's not a, Hey, here's the best chef in Thailand, or here's the best chef in Poland. These are contestants who have competed on top chef, um, the different franchises. And these are contestants that have gone far. Um, a lot of them are winners in past seasons. Um, some are finalists, but I just went to the Wikipedia, Kevin, Mm -hmm. um, did some research on the, on the top chef franchises. And there are seven, as far as I could tell, seven, uh, live franchises, Top Chef Brazil, Top Chef Canada, Top Chef France slash Belgium, Top Chef Mexico, Top Chef Middle Eastern North African, Top Chef Panama, and Top Chef Thailand. But did you know that there was a Top Chef El Salvador, Kevin? I did not. Did you know that there was a Top Chef Finland, which was called um, Top Chef Top Chef Suomi? We've had... We've had Top chef, there's been like 20 plus different top chefs. So we've had um, a lot of different forays into the top chef dominion. We got Romania uh, in 2012. They did, they had a short lived top chef Romania. And it's just, it's kind of interesting to see a lot of these shows started taking place in 2012, 2013. um, And then some of them came about in 2016. So it does kind of, you're almost seeing like the, the, uh, I don't know, like the genealogy of top chef is there's like these waves of when they decide to, you know, expand the empire. Yeah. I'm actually looking at the top chef Finland, which is uh, the Suomi and boy, was that a competitive season? The top two players each had like two wins, three highs. Um, there, there is uh, – because they, they have that little color-coded chart that we, you and I enjoy so much. Um, oh, they do. But yeah, and I mean you didn't even mention Top Chef Germany, which um, has produced some of the bigger uh, – quite a contender here for, for this season. Why don't we go through the contestants real quick because I mean we are going to um, – this is our this is our maiden voyage for season 20. Um, if you were listening, it is probably because you're very excited that Top Chef is coming back. Hopefully you're excited that Pack Your Knives is coming back. We are going to do our big draft. Um, we will drop that uh, very soon after – in fact, I think we should drop Tom. We will be dropping that the night of um, mm-hmm. immediately following the episode. But uh, let's just Thursday, of- March 9th. For those who are listening, Thursday, March 9th is the season one premiere of Top Chef London slash All Stars. Uh, I'm just going to queue it up and let's just quickly run through the cast. And you tell me you can tell me something interesting, something uninteresting. Um, quick impressions. We're going to go in alphabetical order. Samuel Albert. Okay, the so winner Sam- of Top yeah. Chef season ten France. South, they've had ten seasons at least uh, in France. So, um, in France, obviously being, I mean, hey, I mean, uh, if you're if you're if you're a Top Chef France winner, that means you are as good as anybody, right? Yeah. So let's run through these quickly. Um, we've got uh, Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. I don't know how to pronounce it in French, um, but Samuel 
has uh, a restaurant in his own family's house, which is really cool in Sioux Cells. I'm again, I'm going to butcher all of these words and names this, this season. So just get ready, buckle in, um, which is in like a little township within a, a larger city of 5,000 people. So this is, um, he's not a small town chef though. He is a guy who's trained under Joel Robichon in Monaco and London. He worked all over the globe in Australia, uh, Switzerland, Shanghai and Kevin, because he won top chef season 10, uh, Belgium, uh, slash France. He won the order of the Belgian crown. Is he now a prince or something? What does that mean? Kevin, if you're, if you win the order of the Belgian crown, I mean, I guess like like King Leopold, it means that like they assign you to Congo or something. I I don't know. (laughs) Like I, um, I, I've forgotten that Belgian had a crown, um, until quite recently, but that seems like a really big deal. I'm not very bad at all those sort of royal distinctions and and weird monarchism or like atavistic monarchism. I don't get any of that shit. So um, I don't either. But but it sounds sounds like a really big deal. It does. And it's in his bio. So I'm going to assume that it's true and then it's a pretty prestigious thing. So um, who's next? Um, Who is next is I I imagine this is a Haberstroh favorite. Uh, Luciana Berry, Top Chef winner season two Brazil, however, is London based. So in odd in an odd sense, this is a she is kind of one of the home kind of one of the home chefs here uh, in terms of this is a there's a home field advantage for her. She's she's the hometown hero, if we want to call that. Um, she is although she's from Salvador, which is the famously the, the home of Carnival, um, which my parents went to. Uh, which maybe I, maybe I was conceived around Carnival. I don't know. Is that too much information there, Kevin? Sorry. I don't know. I don't know that it couldn't possibly because I used to live in Brazil. So I'm getting my timeline all mixed up, but the whole point is that Carnival, the biggest, largest party in the world is where Luciana is from in Salvador, Brazil, which is a coast. It's in Bahia, which is a, a coastal state, um, on the North Eastern coast of Brazil. And she won season two of Top Chef, like you mentioned, and she's um, in private catering as well. So it's not that she has her own restaurant, which there's a few private chefs on this cast, um, but she is an ambassador of Brazilian cuisine in Europe. So she is living in in London in the UK, but she is coming from Brazil and is a big ambassador of Brazilian cuisine. So I'm a big fan of Luciana. Um, we know the next guest, uh, next chef. She has been a guest on Pack Your Knives. Um, she has sent us care packages, and her name is Sarah Bradley. You know her as a finalist of Top Chef Season 16, Kentucky. Tom, Sarah's back. Thrilled to see Sarah in the mix here. Yeah, I'm super excited to see Kentucky's finest, um, Sarah Bradley. She was um, she was a finalist with one of our favorite seasons with uh, Eric Ajapong, Eddie Conrad. I think we had Eddie on the show uh, from Philly, um, and that was famously Nini's season, Kevin. Which last season you you said was one of your your biggest busts that you've you've had in the draft was just ah I I drafted Nini too high and so Sarah Bradley's coming from that season of Top Chef I'm so excited to see her um, and how often do you get to see someone from Paducah being uh, Paducah Kentucky being you know on the platform of a global co- you know culinary competition so I'm excited to see Sarah compete 
And one of these days, I, I, I do hope we have occasion to be in Paducah, Kentucky, because we, we, we do need to go to the Freight House, which is Sarah's joint in that place, um, and, and, and for some bourbon and some dinner. And, and that would be uh, – that is on my list um, for my next U.S. road trip. Uh, also reappearing, Don Burrell. I mean, season 18 Portland and that, that COVID season, that was right. Um, mm-hmm. And she was a finalist. And we, and we all know Don's story. She is – I think one of the more, more distinct shift testants um, that we've seen in terms, of, in terms of personal style, in terms of strengths, in terms of flaws. Um, she, she is as much discussed, uh, fascinating player in the competition. Literally a player, an athlete, uh, Olympian turned chef. And so when I heard about this, Kevin, that they were doing a global competition of of top chef finalists and winners from around the world, I was hoping Dom was going to be a part of this because come on, you have an Olympian track and field athlete in the fraternity sorority of the top chef. We would love to see Don competing on the global stage once again. And she is, um, she is here. And we kind of saw last season, she was part of, um, the guest judges. So not only did she compete in season 18, uh, as a finalist, she was also kind of on TV in a bunch of roles in last season. So her trajectory, uh, well-deserved, uh, as, as fast as we've seen on top chef. So she had, of course, Kevin, um, you well know, because I drafted her and then traded her to your team. She has some time management issues and we're just hoping that she, she fixes all those for this season while she, she goes to the, to London. Hello listener. Guess who's back. It's me, Anthony Mays, your favorite butcher turned podcast producer. And I'm here to talk to you about butcher box. ButcherBox is the most convenient way to get high quality meat and seafood that you can trust delivered straight to your doorstep, free shipping, vacuum sealed packaging. It's ready to go right then. It's ready to pop in the freezer. You get exclusive member deals and a variety of high quality cuts at an amazing value. Going to the grocery store can be a huge pain. You're usually in a rush at an inconvenient time. You're waiting in line at the meat counter. You're taking a number. Maybe this place doesn't have a number. You're jostling with fellow customers. You're trying to get that ribeye that you want or that nice piece of salmon. Maybe the butcher that you're dealing with has a bad attitude or something. I don't know. That was never me. I promise. But maybe it happens. ButcherBox takes all of that out of the picture. You are always prepared with meat and seafood in the freezer, and you're not going to find quality for this price anywhere else other than ButcherBox. So sign up at butcherbox.com dings, D-I-N-G-S, and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com dings and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S, to choose your free for a year offer, plus get $20 off your first order. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zipline through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Um, Jordanian Ali Ghazawi was the winner of Top Chef Middle East North Africa Season 3, Lebanon. Um, really interesting, really, really just interesting pedigree. Um, kind of like, like in terms of like the Royal Academy of Culinary Arts, like has done all the, you know, when you go abroad, the, the sort of those high end restaurants in places like the Ritz and the Four Seasons, you know, sort of the top hotels, uh, very big Michelin star kind of pedigree here. So he is a, he is a fascinating contestant. I'm actually just really excited. I mean, Middle East and North Africa. Um, I did some eating in Oman, uh, over the summer since we last convened. And, uh, I, I just, it is, I, I think it's an underrepresented cuisine in Top Chef. And so I'm really excited that it is going to be a part of Top Chef season 20. Yeah. And he's got a really big following too. He's kind of a celebrity. He's yeah. uh, He's got a half a million followers on Instagram. Not that that's a measure of your, yourself as a person, but uh, to put it in perspective, Gail has like 300,000 and same with Tom. This guy, Ali, is a huge deal. Um, huge so we have a, a celebrity among celebrities on this show. Ali Ghazawi, he is, um, in his bio, it says, Kevin, during high school, Ali discovered his passion for food and would make 150 sandwiches a day, selling them to everyone on campus, including faculty members. Ali, if you're listening, we need that story. What kind of sandwich were you making 150 sandwiches a day and distributing it amongst your your friends and family and everyone on campus? Is it, it like is it a PB and J? Like I'm trying to think of what is the the most efficient sandwich you could make. 150 every day in high school. That that seems like a lot. Yeah. Uh, our, our next is um, Tom Goethe from Top Chef Season 1 Germany finalist. Uh, trained under nobody other than Thomas Keller himself, Mr. French Laundry. Um, is also kind of one of these uh, – I'm always, always fascinated with the people who direct uh, food and beverage on these uh, yachts and these in these boats, and he does that as well. So Wait a minute, um, Kev. Don't even, don't even try to feign this excitement about a cruise ship guy because I remember your take on cruise ships. Yeah, I, I, the less we say about the cruise ship thing, the better. Um, <laughs> it is, it is, it also, also, cruise is also known as, as hostaging. Um, it is just why anybody would ever want to be on a cruise is beyond me. Um, yeah, he's a, he's the ex chef for the scenic eclipse, which is a six star world's first discovery yacht. I thought it just went to five star. There's a six star category. It goes to 11. Um, yeah. What does a six star yacht look like? Like, can we, can we, we'll need to have Tom on. Uh, hopefully he will become a listener as many of the chef testants are listeners of pack your knives. Tom, if you are a listener, we want to know exactly what makes, um, a, a rig, six star. a six star yacht. Wow. Are we talking about like Paul, the late Paul Allen, the octopus? Wasn't that the name of Paul Allen's boat? I think the so. octopus. Um, it is, but, is it like once you have a helipad, then you, you achieve the six star status, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. but, uh, it's still a boat at the end of the day, you're still drifting and you can't get off. And that, that <laughs> you is can. not, it's just that is, not, no, not, not going to work out for you. I want, 
Um, <laughs> so Nicole Gomes uh, is a Canadian contestant who was the winner of Top Chef Canada's All Star Seasons, which which is a real distinction. I mean, you think about it, right? Like, so yeah. she won, you know, the mightiest of the mighty, and uh, so she 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 should be somebody to reckon with. She's a jazz singer. Uh, she nice. beat Bobby Flay. Um, so she has that badge on her arm. She also uh, owns a chicken joint called the Cluck and Cleaver. So I think I think chicken joints have the most uh, fun names. Like, don't don't you feel that way? Is that fried chicken joints always have just a very bubbly name to them? Yeah, I think they're, they're genre of restaurants that are very fun to name. I think chicken. The, the best of those is Vietnamese because you can do pho. So you can have faux shore mm. or, um, you know, for real, you can, you can do all kinds of, but chicken does lend itself given the whole cluck and bird and wing, you, you, you can do all kinds of stuff, uh, when it comes to the, the nomenclature of chicken joints, I'm looking at her menu. They got the rotisserie. She got the crispy fried chicken. This is a, this is a very, very smart utilitarian thing. And they also do biscuits. Now, I don't know what we think of biscuits in places like Calgary, Alberta, um, there are people who grew up in our region who, who do they would, rise? Would, like do the biscuits in Calgary rise? That's the just, question, right? Like, but, you know, but Calgary is kind of a country town in, in many ways though. I mean, it's a city, but it is like, it is, it's the rodeo capital of North America, arguably. So, um, you know, it, it, though it is North of the border, it has some real kind of, uh, you know, has, has some cred in that, in that department. Uh, Victoire uh, Gluby is the Top Chef Season 2 Italy finalist. Um, she's also a native of Brazzaville, which I believe, is that also where um, Serge Ibaka is from? It could be. Um, in the Congo, I, I, I believe, I, I believe that is, I, I don't want to, I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but I believe she shares a hometown with one of our favorites, Serge Ibaka. Um, the People's Republic of Congo. Um, and she comes via Italy, though, which is where she she has cut her teeth as a as a chef. Yeah, she's also the creator host of cooking TV programs for Sky TV. Nice. Um, so she's not only a great cook or a great chef, um, and she comes from Africa and has uh, lots of different cuisines under her uh, umbrella. She also is really good on TV. So I got to imagine that she's going to be I don't know, on our scouting report for our draft, I think she gets a couple points for, for understanding the TV medium and what works and what doesn't. So I kind of feel like that's a little, um, a little like up for her. And look, I also love the idea. I mean, it, 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 she, she talks about both her um, affinity for both African cuisine and Italian cuisine. And I, I, I love that kind of fusion and that's always fun. Um, Charbel Hayek, no relation to Frederick, presumably, um, is a Lebanese chef. Um, who was also a winner of a Top Chef Middle East North Africa, this one season five in Saudi Arabia. Um, and actually kind of trained here in Los Angeles at Melis, which is kind of, a, if you go to like the, the, one of the most prestigious restaurants in this city over the last 30 years, it's just, it's, it's an easy call. And so again, very, very uh, prominent pedigree, lives in Florida now. Works as a private chef. Always interested. Tom, we, we need at some point to do kind of the query of, you know, private caterers, private chefs. How do they fare overall in top chef competition? Is it a good proving ground? Is it not a big proving ground? Um, but uh, he comes with some serious cred here. Yeah. And I, I don't know how many Lebanese uh, global globally known chefs 
are in Lake Worth, Florida, which is, I think it's sandwiched between like West Palm Beach and uh, Boca, I think is Lake Worth. I actually thought it would be more like Orlando area, Disney World area, but it's on the coast. uh, It's off 95. It's definitely off of 95 on that sort of that whole south of West Palm down to Boca and Pompano kind of that whole corridor in South Florida. Yeah, there's there's a few of these private chefs. We got uh, Victoire. uh, We have... Charbel here, and then also Gabriel Rodriguez, which we'll get into later. But yeah, we have a few private chefs here that that, it always makes me feel like this is, um, they're going to be kind of going uphill here in this competition, but we've had some successful private chefs, but you're right. We need to do a study and figure out, uh, what backgrounds are the most successful. Um, Our next contestant needs very little introduction. It's Budalo. He don't waste no time. Coming back, he is the defending champion. When Tom, has there ever been a top chef defending his or her crown in the subsequent season? I don't think so. You know, this this is a, a really good question, and I'd imagine it's kind of like he's got a shortened off season. You know, he already he he just came off, and normally you see these chefs come back, you know, several years down the line. But Kevin, this is kind of like coming out of the bubble and having to start a season like yesterday. You know, this is a, a shortened off season for Buddha. I, I worry about the load management that he has, or maybe this is you know he's got the hot hand, Kevin. You want to go with the hot hand? Um. I noticed that, like, between the hair and, like, the look, he's kind of, uh, he's ready for TV. Oh, he's like, you know what? I did the same thing this morning. I, I was looking at his uh, highlights from, from last season. He's lost some weight. He looks oh, he looks really he good. He is a man who is ready for TV celebrity. Bless his heart. I still, uh, <laughs> I got to get to, by the way, I got to get to Marquis Caviar and Huso um, in New York. It is, I'm over you. I haven't been in New York since before COVID. I'm coming, Buddha. It is, it is unquestionable. But um, boy, I am, I am so excited the Buddha's here. That was one of the great, great – and also just kind of a natural contestant for this. It's not just that he won Top Chef Houston. Um, he is a kid who grew up in Australia of kind of Southeast Asian culinary traditions. Um, I mean he is sort of the ultimate – you know, but loves cooking sort of classically. Like he is – he is sort of – he personifies the whole spirit of this season. Um, Dale McKay – is a Canadian chef who won. He was the first ever winner of Top Chef Canada, season one. Um, and he is from Saskatchewan, right next door to Alberta. So we've got some kind of those interior, uh, those big rectangular interior uh, Canadian provinces are represented well in this season. Yeah, this this seems like he's got like, um, his whole house is just a bunch of leather. This guy, Dale's got a great big mustache. Um, it it kind of reminds me of Joe Sasto and his like curly mustache there with a the little twirl at the end. Dale's got a serious, uh, I'm sure he has just nothing but plaid and just basically got the whole lumberjack look going. He's from Saskatchewan, Canada, and he's got um, like four or five restaurants in his, uh, in his portfolio that he runs. Um, so Dale McKay, he seems like a very different contestant than what you, what we typically see on this show. Um, but he's a little bit more of a restaurateur than, than what I, what I expected. He's a, an iron chef gauntlet participant, fire masters and wall of chefs. I don't know that show, but I'm excited. Um, our next contestant is may, 
uh, Fatanat Dongtong, who was the finalist in top, uh, a finalist in Top Chef season one. Thailand um, is it, interesting. Uh, born and raised in Chiang Mai, so in the north, which is a you know somewhat different um, Thai cuisine than a lot of folks who are used to eating kind of the Phuket southern thai style um kind of closer to isan and um gonna be a really interesting can uh shit testing just because uh the, the northern thai is just some really banging stuff like it's just good i'm really excited that they got someone um from that part of the world uh for a, for a global competition in london that's gonna yeah. be super kevin cool. i was wondering if if you were gonna do like which country or which show top chef would have the strong like you're most excited to see them cook like where is thailand on the list you have got poland you got brazil you've got italy and north african cuisine where where which one are you most excited there's germany as well is france and belgium all that is there is there a top chef franchise winner or finalist in this competition that ooh i can't wait to see what they cook up um, well i will say as, as as a person of polish descent um theoretically uh, I, I am not excited to see Polish culinary cuisine because it's all beige. Um, no, Th- Thailand's got to be right up there, especially northern Thailand. Like, it's just going to be a really fun um, – it, it's just it, – it's it's such a great palate. And, um, you know, you're right up there on the Lao border. You got that kind of larb. You got you got all kinds of stuff there. So I, I'm, I'm really excited about – I think – you know, I, I think Southeast Asia is still – just so much fun to watch in terms of flavor profile and what you can do, how it also can incorporate even more than Japan. Like, like Japan's kind of a beautiful standalone cuisine. Um, what makes Thailand and Thai food so fun is just how versatile and easy, like you can incorporate other culinary traditions in Thai food and vice versa. And I just think that's really, I, I just, I'm really excited. They found someone um, from top chef. Thailand. Yeah. And it reminds me of, um, uh, Jamie, Chef Jamie Tran from, uh, I think it was Portland, who uh, has that Las Vegas restaurant, Black Sheep, um, who did very well on this show. She was the one who kind of like um, was like the ventriloquist who would have make all the sounds on the on Top Chef. So uh, definitely a strong pedigree on this show. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see uh, May compete on this season. Um, Begonia Rodrigo is the winner of Top Chef Season 1, Spain. Owns a restaurant people love in Valencia called La Salida, which, by the way, you can only get a reservation. You know the earliest time you can get a reservation even on a Monday night? This Um, is the funny um, thing about eating out in Spain, Tom. 8 o'clock. You want to eat at 7.30? No, we're not open yet. This was was my great revelation about eating out in in Spain um, uh, when I was there with Eric in 2019, is... It was like, oh, all they have is 9 o'clock. No, no, no. The place just opens at 9. Um, so Begonia is got a Michelin star to her name. Um, she's she she is, if you're if you're kind of doing the badass rankings in the roster here, she is, I think, at the top of the heap. Oh yeah. She's the only one, as far as I can tell, that has a Michelin star to her name. Um, and also it's a cool story. She studied in industrial engineering and left for Amsterdam, um, at a young age and then decided while she was in Amsterdam, like I want to be a chef and then rose from there to having a Michelin star. So, um, Begonia, she is as, as far as I can tell the most, uh, uh, acclaimed of any other restaurant, uh, the, the chefs on this season, uh, a big juggernaut going into this season for sure. Yeah. 
we have Gabri Rodriguez, who won Top Chef Season 2 Mexico, now lives in Madrid, um, cut his teeth in Mazatlan, in sort of the fine dining scene there uh, in that large Mexican city. And uh, yeah, so Mexico is represented. Yeah, he now lives in Madrid. Um, he's a private chef. So another one of the private chefs here on the show, um, he won season two of Top Chef Mexico. Uh, so I think it's been a while since he since season two Top Chef Mexico, I'm just guessing. I can um, imagine, yeah. But yeah, uh, excited to have Gabri on the show and see what these private chefs do in the competition. So um, finally... Amar Santana, whose restaurant I just ate at less than two weeks ago. Um, oh, you did? Yes, down in South Coast uh, Plaza, down in Costa Mesa, because uh, Eric and I were going to see. It's where we like to go. We like to go to his restaurant before we see plays at the South Coast Rep. So we kind of make an evening of it. Um, Eric is a particular fan at Vodka. There's a little less for me to eat there now that I'm not eating Vodka. But, um, yeah, it is uh, – is, uh, we just ate there two weeks ago, and it is it is really really good. Um, Vodka does a great job. Uh, even though I couldn't eat most of the menu, I, I, I my scallops were wonderful. Um, we saw Appropriate, um, which was the Obie Award play from Brandon Jacobs Je- uh, Jenkins, and we had a lovely dinner beforehand, courtesy of Amar. Yeah, at Vodka. Um- Amar has been in the Top Chef, uh, you know, rotation for quite a while, and now he's getting back into the competition. So that's exciting. He's always just a happy guy. He just always got a f- smile on his face, very positive light on the show. So I'm excited to see Amar compete. And I don't want to skip over Pe- oh, Kevin. Oh, you're right. I did. I missed. Yeah. I missed Sylvia. Sylvia, who is uh, born and raised in Poland, and she runs her own cooking school called Cookshi. Um, and she was trained at a Gordon Ramsay restaurant. She's a teacher um, of of culinary, and she occasionally is a private chef. But basically, she runs Cookshi, which is really cool. Right. She is way on the Ukrainian border there in Lublin, um, not far, probably not more than 25 miles. Uh, I, I suspect I, – I hope we will see a pierogi uh, as somebody who inha- uh, shares a home with a Pittsburgher. I, I hope we do see some pierogi action. I'd be very disappointed if Celia does not treat us to pierogies at some point. Um, but she also won Top Chef Ball. I mean, she, she's, she is going to be, um, I, I think, a force to be reckoned with. So uh, – and also just a great – I mean let's get the Eastern European culinary tradition for all of its failings. God damn it. Let's just do it anyway. Um, <laughs> we, we do want um, – we, we do I, – I, I mean I, I'm going to rag on British food. I'm going to rag on Eastern European food. Um, that, that is kind of my way. So um, – but that's that's the list. Sixteen chefs. We're going to draft them, Tom. Uh, on uh, we will be dropping our draft. What you said, March 9th, Thursday, right after the premiere of the season. And um, these will be our sixteen. So get your board going, man. Yeah, I've got I've got it. I'm already I'm already taking notes on what you've said about the chefs here. Um, so that I can kind of create not only my big board, but also Kevin's big board. So I'm studying up here. Uh, I know that you've already, I don't know whether you're p- trying to play me where you're trying to show your hand, but trying to throw me off, um, a little bit with the whole Poland hate and all that. 
um, Eastern European and British cuisine hate. I'm, I'm trying to trying to discern whether this is an actual front or not. But basically, we have seven North American chefs, four from the U.S., uh, Budalo, Sarah Bradley, Amar Santana, Don Burrell. Um, those are the four contestants from Top Chef America, um, the flagship program. And then we have two from Top Chef Canada, uh, one from Mexico. We have five from Europe. So we got France, Germany, Italy, Spain, Poland, also the Middle East, North Africa with Ali and Charbel. We've got one in Thailand, May, and one from South America, Brazil, Luciana. So a really good mix here. Um, 11 show different shows from around the world. And uh, I'm excited. And Kevin, you know, we, we've lamented a little bit on this show that the stakes don't feel so high with uh, all these established, already known chefs on Top Chef, a diversion from what the the humble beginnings of Top Chef used to be about is the the scrappy, hungry, young chef who wants to hit the big stage. We're not getting that this season, but I do think that this is going to be fun to watch, not just the, the different chefs interacting with their food, but also the language barriers, the cultural barriers, all of it in a kitchen. And it's going to be really fun and interesting to watch. Really excited. Download our draft on March 9th right after you finish watching Top Chef season 20 premiere. Um, and Tom, I got to go to work. I, I got to scout. I got to make some calls. I got to watch some film. Uh, I, I got to get going because because I, I am I, I'm on a roll. I finally, I think, have figured out how to identify this talent. And, and I, I, I just um, I'm, I'm looking to have a good draft. Yeah, you got to make up for your number one overall pick last year, Robert, who flamed oh, yeah. out after four yeah. episodes. For Tom Haberstroh. This is Kevin Ornament, and this is Pack Your Knives. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. 
our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.